You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Okay, y'all ready for a lecture? Talk about the importance of nothing. You get up every day, you're entitled to nothing. Nobody owes you nothing. You could have talent, but if you don't have discipline and you don't execute, you don't focus, what do you get? Nothing. If you're complacent and not paying attention to detail, what does that get you? Nothing. So nothing is acceptable but your best. So we need to be, everything is determined by what you do and you trying to be your best so that you can build on positive performance so that, and that's, that's the only thing, there should be nothing else, all right, but that, you know, for everybody. Um, so that's what we have to stay focused on. That's what we need to do. Um, and, you know, we got rained out today, so we had to go inside. And um, we, need, we, we need to not accept anything but our best in terms of what we're doing in preparation. Wow. Saban. Preaching it. That's Nick Saban from yesterday after practice in his regular Wednesday meeting with the media. Welcome to the show, Lars. It's Matt and Justin Jones. He's rather prophetic there, Lars, I think. And he's absolutely right. Yeah. And the, I loved the, the pitch and the pacing of how he delivered this lecture and just, uh, you know, and and the the fact that he kept using the word nothing, even when in in the second line there, he starts out, you get up every day, you're entitled to, and he waits a beat, nothing. Nobody owes you, you know, the, the, the proper way to say it would be nobody owes you anything, but he wants to get this point home about nothing nobody owes you nothing right and and then if you don't execute you don't focus you get and he waits 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 those three beats nothing i mean i love i love these press conferences when he comes out because yes of course he's delivering a message to his team but you know what he's really delivering a message of life philosophy and his philosophy and I swear, like over the years, if you really pay attention again to what he's saying, like, yes, he is speaking to his players, but really you can apply it to your own life. And I feel personally, Matt, that I've learned a lot from Nick Saban. I feel like I'm a better person because I've had interaction with him and because uh, I've paid close attention to almost everything he has said throughout the years. And uh, he is just a, a, an incredibly wise, intelligent, thoughtful person. And this just underscored it. Is this the best delivery he's ever had at Alabama? It's one I mean, of it, them. That hit, he hit it out of the park. 
Park. And uh, I listened to that personally. You know, I didn't listen to it as a football player. I listened to it as a as a guy, you know, as a human being. And I was during his conversation, during his soliloquy there. um, I was immersed. I mean, I was thinking about every single thing he said. And you're exactly right. It was directed at his players. But everybody that hears it, reads it, you really need to hear it because you're right about the, the dramatic pose, pauses. You know, I don't want to go over the top on this, but it's almost like you were listening to a great orator like a Winston Churchill, am I, I, uh, a Ronald Reagan. I just, the way he delivered it, and it just went straight inside. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was flipping brilliant. Yeah. And, you know, yesterday I had heard this sort of in real time. And late yesterday, I played golf with my son, Lincoln, who's eight. And we played in the rain. We went out to Bent Brook here in Birmingham. And uh, we wanted to he's, he's playing in a tournament on Saturday afternoon at, out of Bent Brook. So we wanted I wanted to get him a practice round if he wanted to. And he did. We went out there and then we were just sopping wet, just thoroughly saturated. It was cold, we were miserable. But I kept asking him, do you wanna quit, you wanna quit? He's like, no, no, no. And then he just sort of lost it, right? As an, as an eight-year-old will sometimes on, on the ninth hole. And, and he said, I don't ever wanna play golf again because you know the ground's oh, wet. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and you know what, and I thought of this and I even said to Lincoln, so we're driving back, like you get up every day, what are you entitled to? What what are what are you supposed? What do you have? You have nothing. <laughs> and, and I gave him a, a mini version of what Nick Saban said. You gave him your version. Yeah, and uh, and you know, by the time we got got home, he was just like, "Daddy, I want it. I want it. I want. I want to. I want to play so bad." And, uh, and, you know, it was not that, not that like Nick Saban's words resonated with Lincoln. I, I think he just kind of cooled down and, and realized that he can't have mental breakdowns. And I, and, you know, Nick Saban talks about mental toughness all the time. And, and that I, I swear I find myself often when I'm talking, especially to Lincoln, really all my kids sometimes channeling like Nick Saban and what I've heard Nick Saban say over the years. And I'll find myself, you know, uh, articulating the, the same themes. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought that this was uh, this was one of his uh, better. I wouldn't call it a performance, but because he feels it, this is him, right? And uh, and and if you're just if you're a recruit or a recruit's mother or father, and you see this, wouldn't you think I want my kid to play for this guy? Because <laughs> yeah. it's it's not just about football. This is life. This is life and stuff that was, here. That was part of his intent. You know, he was talking to his players and his future players, and as you just said, their parents. It's kind of a big deal. Do you think he scripted or thought much about it, or did he just oh, yeah. stand up there and talk? No, <clears throat> he thought a lot about it. That'd be my guess, because you don't use uh, the you don't keep hammering the word nothing without thinking about it. You don't use the word nothing at the end of every sentence without giving it some 
thought beforehand. I don't know if he wrote everything down. I don't. I doubt it. But he, you know, he always has a little note card that he takes into a press conference with like uh, one, two, or maybe you know, sometimes three sort of topics or themes that he wants to hit. And uh, you know, he may have already said this once in the day to his players. So it's already been rehearsed. And, and then uh, to amplify the importance to his players, he articulated it to the media. And uh, I just, uh, I thought it was terrific. And, 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 and again, I, it drives me crazy. That's, I don't, sorry to interrupt, Matt. It drives me crazy when people say, oh man, it, it just must be so terrible covering Nick Saban. No, the guy is a gem. <laughs> I mean, oh, he's quotable. It, he's kind. Yeah. He's sound. Who, I mean, can you think about what it'd be like covering Bill Belichick? The guy uh, says nothing. It would be hell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I don't think that would be fun at all. I think Saban's a, like a lot of us, Lars, that will occasionally speak to groups, as you and I have. You may not write everything down, but you go over it in your head several times before you you know, oh, yeah. get introduced. And, and that's that's exactly what I think Saban did. Well, yeah, I agree on that. What do you think prompted him to uh, give this little uh, speech? I don't know. Well, all of the th- well, I do know all the things we just talked about: moms, dads, kids, current players. I just wonder coaches. if there was something something that he saw at practice that you know uh, bothered him. Something maybe a, like a, a, la- a lack of effort, a player you know, a, that a lack of acting, focus. How yeah. about entitled? Yeah, you know, somebody is acting entitled. That would lead me to that. Yeah. And who knows? You know, it might be nil related. You know, these kids are getting a lot of money. Maybe they're getting a little high horsed, and so he felt like he needed to bring them down to their level. And if that didn't do it, might as well just walk away. Yeah, Lars, I want to. Uh, want to really really thank you for something from the bottom of my heart and that's not leading the show with atlanta because i just don't know if i can talk about it oh man hey, how i hate bryce not, harper not not done yet not done yet no man. not at you all gotta keep the faith no i i, mean, I, uh, I tell that to my nebraska today yeah. I, I tell that to my nebraska people all the time keep the faith keep the faith as hard as hey, it is we got another game we got spencer strider on the hill and um, we're going to knock it out of the park. All you got to do is win two games, man. That's it. And two if games. You win, if you win today, you go back home. So, I mean, this is not an insurmountable challenge. When, when's first pitch? Uh, you know what? I'll have to look that up. Okay, I'm sorry. Ball yeah. game. I've got a ball game tonight, too. So, I, um, does anybody ever record games and watch them back? I guess people still do that. All right. Uh, when we get back, Mark Himes and great article this morning about Dion and Dion will say anything and you'll hear about it on the other side of the break you're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage it 
100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. We could see a few intervals of sunshine this afternoon, otherwise mostly cloudy, the high 72. Tonight and tomorrow, the sky mostly cloudy, the chance of a few widely scattered showers around. The low tonight, 60, the high tomorrow at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 68 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. The, the Atlanta Braves and Philadelphia Phillies will play at 7.07 first pitch. And the Phillies lead that best of five series 2-1. Dodgers got swept by the Diamondbacks. We'll talk a little baseball in a minute, but first let's bring in our next guest from AL.com, Mark Heim. Mark, how are things down in the Bay City? How are you? Gentlemen, and I use that term loosely, how are you guys? <laughs> well uh, done. <laughs> well, um, absolutely. Things are going great, and you have a couple of articles. Do we still call them that, or are they online pieces? I don't know. I'm, I'm being silly. Articles, being... posts. Tomato, tomato, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, one involves Deion Sanders, and he just evidently, Mark, he does not like 8 o'clock kickoffs. Yeah, so we talked about this a little bit earlier today. Uh, first of all, this isn't breaking news. Like, he knew this, this was going to happen. This was not like someone threw this up on the schedule at the last minute. Uh, so I think part of it, I'm beginning to wonder – if there's a method behind his madness, if he goes on this rant, maybe people know that he's playing at eight o'clock on a Friday, as opposed to guys that may just stumble upon that, that, that channel surfing. You know what I mean? Like maybe he wanted people to know that he's playing on Friday. So he just goes out and vents about it so that people will know he's playing on Friday. Uh, only because, I mean, he's known for weeks, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then he kind of took a little veiled shot at the conference. Um, which is ironic considering how well they're playing as a whole right now. Uh, but he certainly, anytime he talks, he makes headlines, that's for sure. We were talking to Tim Brando the other day, and Tim told us that he thinks the number one story in college football thus far this year is Deion Sanders in Colorado. Do you agree with that? And, uh, and just what is your overall assessment of Deion Sanders? Uh, well, It'd be hard to argue Tim's point. I mean, there's no question that Dion turns the do- or moves the, the the needle, regardless of how you feel about him. Right? You either either love him, hate him, or love to hate him. Uh, so he's a hell of a coach. There's no question. I love the story. Uh, it played out really well for both sides because he started out like gangbusters, and everybody's like, "See, see, the guy knows what he's doing." And then the haters got their chance to stand up and cheer because he got smacked in the mouth. Right? The only thing I don't like about the Deion Sanders story, and it has nothing to do with Deion as much as it is, it is, it's almost giving approval to the idea of getting rid of everybody on your team and re- hitting the reset button through the transfer portal. That is the only thing I don't like about it. Uh, it's just one of those things that it's here, it's not going anywhere. But man, you know, the next person to go into a new job and say, everybody get out we're bringing a whole bunch of other guys in we'll just point to it works these are the rules look what Dion did you know what I mean but clearly he can coach he's uh there have been a number of stories that come out about the way he's recruited kids one-on-one 
Um, he, he, he has a great relationship with the kids, has a great relationship with the parents. I mean, as much as we talk about the hat and the glasses, uh, it's been reported that he makes them take their hats off indoors. Like, so I think part of what you see is prime time, and then part of what we don't get to see is a little bit more of Coach Deion Sanders. You wrote an, another post article, whatever we're going to call it, today <laughs> on Saturday's eclipse. And uh, I guess you really are a very versatile penman. Uh, let's go. Sure. Let's, let's, let's go with that. Versatile. I like that. I mean, versatile generally means a good thing, but yeah, uh, I did point some people in the right direction there. I think. What'd you tell them? Uh, there's one coming and don't stare at it and don't use sunglasses and don't use binoculars or telescopes that there's a certain type of, uh, of, um, eyewear or, uh, hardware to use when, when viewing an eclipse. Uh, that's that's the extent of my knowledge. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be looking at it. I'm going to be watching football. I don't know about you guys. Uh, an eclipse doesn't necessarily uh, excite me as much as it does other folks. But, yeah, don't don't look. Just like you were told when you were a kid, man, don't stare directly at it for too long. Permanent eye damage. There's my PSA for the day. So you're saying the eclipse doesn't eclipse your love of college football. Sorry, that was just too easy. That, low, low hanging that, fruit. Low hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me write that down. I'll that. I'll, I'll Actually, that's that's my kind of humor. I'm, I'm <laughs> um, okay, uh, we haven't talked to you for a little while. Uh, your assessment of what transpired Saturday in College Station, and then uh, give us your thoughts on on uh, homecoming game and the 11 a.m. kickoff against Arkansas. Yeah, so obviously a huge win uh, for Alabama in College Station. But I think you have to kind of put that in perspective when you talk about, granted, it's the 12th man, so it's a tough place to play. But it was also an unranked Texas A&M team. So if we're talking about a huge win in, in terms of that, I mean, how often do we do that when we talk about Alabama? With that said, it's I think anybody, uh, supporters and even critics of Alabama to this point, have to agree that this team is getting better. Uh, I, I will still stand by things I've said in the last couple of weeks was this team's going to have to fight and earn everything that it's going to achieve, right? They're going to have to overcome their own mistakes and blunders because they're clearly not cleaning that stuff up. Uh, so the bad continues to be bad, but the stuff that was supposed to be good, if that makes sense, is getting better, right? So Jalen Milrow clearly getting more comfortable. I think Tommy Reese and that offense is starting, and we talked about in the past, guys, right? Instead of trying to hit that, put that, um, uh, square peg in a round hole I think they're trying to maybe change that offense a little bit to suit his strengths as opposed to the other way around uh, Jermaine Burton had a huge game obviously and, and the fact that they couldn't run the ball which is something we figured that might have been the one thing we got right about that game we knew it was going to be tough against that Texas A&M front seven the fact that they couldn't run the ball and still went out there and put out points through the air I mean a couple of a couple of weeks ago, we probably would have said they would have lost by three or four touchdowns, right, based on the way Jalen Milrow was playing. So this team is playing better. Is it playing good? <clears throat> you know, by Alabama standards, probably not, but it's playing good enough. Uh, so I'm using very specific wording there. As far as the defense, and we've been saying this, the one thing we've gotten, this defense is playing championship caliber uh, ball right now. And so it's going to keep them in a lot of games as that offense continues to improve. And it's crazy, as, as critical as we've been of this Alabama team uh, up until this point, me included, or me uh, specifically, uh, they have everything in front of them. Uh, 
the world is their oyster if they keep continuing to improve and do the things they need to do. It's crazy. Mark Heim from AL.com is our guest on Big Noon Sports. Mark, how thin is the ice with Jimbo Fisher, and what do you think so <laughs> far of the of the experiment with Bobby Petrino? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I think we talked about this also. The one thing the college football world can all agree on is our hatred of Jimbo Fisher. Or hatred <laughs> might be a strong word, but our our um, our excitement at the idea of him, you know, falling off a cliff here. I um, I don't know if you can blame it on quarterback injury because at this point, I think everybody was pretty pleased, right? The offense was clicking. You were starting to see that Texas A&M offense that everybody was hoping to see with Jimbo and Bobby Petrino and the whole thing. But when they they um, they run into Alabama, now it's, he can't win the big game. He's never going to be able to beat Saban. How many times are we going to give him a shot at this before we make a change? And so the narrative changed quickly, right? Uh, I know Aeneas Smith made some comments, which, you know, I, I continue to be baffled at guys that talk before games because it doesn't help you. It only helps the other team. And, um, you know, some of the guys at Alabama have responded in kind, you know, not, not only after, but as we're learning during the game. Uh, Terron Arnold was one of them that was kind of talking smack during the game. Uh, and then obviously he made some comments on social media after. Uh, you know, I, it's not as bad as it's been, but if that's your best defensive Jimbo Fisher, is, is it is it time to move on? I would think so. Uh, I mean, do you guys agree or disagree? I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. But wh- I mean, where's he going to go? <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I mean, if anything's been, yeah, I mean, if anything's been proven, they always get another shot, right? Some lesser school will certainly. Yeah. Uh, the, the, I guess the bigger question or the better question is if they got rid of, and this is what we always talk about with re- co- replacing coaches, right? It's always like, oh, get rid of that guy, get rid of that guy. But uh, that, that's, that's, that's short-sighted. The, the question you have to ask yourself is who would you get to replace that guy? Because A&M's a lot like Alabama or Ohio State or Florida or whoever, right? If they're going to make a coaching change, they better make a big splash or the PR nightmare continues. So to, to your point, who do you get? I have, you know, is, is, a, is, is that an upgrade from, from Oregon? Do you bring Dan Lanning aboard? I mean, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm spitballing here. No, that's a great question. But the, the thing is, uh, they have the purse to do it, right? Like they, sure. they have the money to kind of get whoever they want almost right other than maybe uh 10 coaches uh i mean that, that's a really good question like do you, do you go after the you go after yeah but money's not an issue at, at, at a&m i i, I yeah and a, i think last time i think last time i saw it was in and this was a couple three weeks ago i think it was in the 80 mil range i think it yeah. decreases little by little after each game i mean it's not significant i mean uh, to you and me, $86 million might as be $800 million, right? But, um, and you bring up a great point about Texas A&M's deep pockets because this always ruffles feathers of Alabama fans down here when, I, when, I, when we kind of talk about this because Alabama, if Texas A&M outclasses Alabama in one regard, it's with the, the, the deep pockets. And people are like, oh, Alabama's got a ton of money. They do, but they don't have Texas A&M money. And that's why Nick Saban went after Jimbo a couple years ago, right, with the whole NIL thing, because he knew it then, uh, and he continues to know it now. That's one place that they can excel at. Now, that's also why 
the, the, the patience is running thin and uh, the expectations are ever so high because um, with that type of money, it demands immediate results. And just Jimbo just hasn't given it to him. What about our guy, Deion Sanders? At Texas I think you take a shot at him. Mike yeah. Elko at Duke? Uh, Elko's going to be, I mean, El- Elko's going to be sought after. Um, yeah, and Sanders would be the huge splash, and then you'd really see whether he could sink or swim on, on, on the big-time level. I'd be intrigued by it. For sure, it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he handled those Texas. I guess his buyout right now is 76.8. That's what I'm Man, seeing. Even uh, for A&M, that's a lot of dough. But, yeah, we'll see. Uh, Mark's going to stay with us through the break so we can go through a couple of other things here on Big Noon Sports. So stand by. More of the show. By the way, segments are sponsored by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker at Advantage Realty Group. She'll be with us tomorrow, right, Lars? She will. We'll be at Industry in Tuscaloosa. Come join us. Really? It's homecoming. Back in a minute. Hi, down to the plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. We have a fantastic, we have a fantastic contest going on. Tide 100.9. Go to the app, type in the code. This hour is 401, and who knows, maybe you're going to homecoming with thirty thousand dollars all right guys i want both of you guys to huddle up with me on this have either of you ever consciously gone back to a school you attended for the specific purpose of homecoming mark you're first reunions don't necessarily count at a different location but actually go back to school like the physical- go back to the football game or they have some that are basketball games, but have you ever gone back to your school to celebrate homecoming at a game? You know what? I'm not sure anybody's ever asked me that. I had to think about it. I don't think I ever have, to be honest with you. I've done like high school reunions, but those don't count. But no, I've never been to a homecoming game with the sole purpose of being, man, I'm an alum. I'm going back. Let's go. No, never happened. Garth, well, did you, I, do you ever go to St. Olaf? Uh, yeah. Uh, not only have I not been back for homecoming, I have not been back since I graduated. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. So how, how about you? No, I think I've gone back for homecoming, but I had a microphone in my hand. You know, I was covering the game, so I didn't, I didn't go back there to celebrate with my fraternity brothers or the alums. Uh, but, you know, people do that. It's just I think our vocations don't lean in that direction. So that was just something I would fire off at you just for kicks and giggles. Hey, Mark, um, Alabama versus Arkansas. Everybody's predicting this to probably be a uh, two to three touchdown difference. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's kind of hard to argue that point. Um, Like I said, this Alabama defense has just been really good and K.J. Jefferson, who, who I like, and I think you see the glimpses of brilliance there. Um, that offense, I just don't think they they can protect him against this front seven. 
Um, I think they've given up like 12 sacks or something, um, and they're not running the ball well at all. Uh, I just think I think this Alabama defense is going to feast on uh, on Arkansas. Now, to be fair, Alabama's running game was non-existent yes, uh, last week also, but I think that had a lot more to do with Texas A&M uh, front seven. I don't think they're going to see quite that uh, stout a defense this weekend in Tuscaloosa against, uh, against Arkansas. So I, I feel like Alabama's probably going to take care of business here. Um, I think it'll be. I think what we need to be watching is the week-to-week growth of Jalen Milrow, his ability to make the right read, do so in a timely manner, know when to tuck it and run, know when to kind of squeeze it in there. I saw some crazy stats. I'll throw at you guys. Um, uh, Alabama's like 16 and 0 against Arkansas under Saban. Uh, and to your homecoming point, they've won 19 straight homecomings. Although the general rule is you, you just can't lose homecoming. Period. But um, they're also. I'm 25 or 26, something like 26. No, in games, uh, in games scheduled to kick off at 11:30 or earlier. That's all under Saban. So, I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but that sounds like pretty good numbers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, those sound very, very good. Um, you know, one of the most surprising things to me last week was Jermaine Burton could not be covered. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I did not see that one coming. How about you? And just your, your thoughts on, on Jermaine Burton. Well, I mean, I think it's uh, even from the beginning of the season, even since fall camp or even spring of last year, I think one of the question marks was who was going to step up the receiver. Did they have a number one? And quite frankly, they didn't, right, until last week. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, these guys getting reps together and, and Milrow getting out there and feeling comfortable. I mean, it's it's pretty clear he's got his number one guy now. It's it's much needed. I, I hope, though, I guess, I guess my concern if you're an Alabama fan is does he become uh, a, a one-option type quarterback where all he's doing is looking for Burton? Uh, we're going to need a little more sample size here to see if, if Burton is going to be the next great receiver at Alabama or if this was just one of those matchups that they took advantage of. But it was an unbelievable a performance by him and man it, it takes you back to the Jalen Waddell Devontae Smith Julio Jones you know name your favorite receiver days I mean it was crazy how good is A&M's front seven best Alabama will face uh yeah if you look at their uh if you look at the remaining schedule it, it certainly would appear so right um clearly uh Arkansas's defense isn't up to the task and uh, I, I'm not sure I can say the words LSU and defense in the same sentence right now, because uh, man, they are they are terrible. Um, but yeah, I would think so. Uh, I, I you could also make the argument other than well, I mean, I was going to say Texas A&M might have been their toughest test, but LSU, man, they score so many points that'll certainly be strength on strength. And you figure you give Alabama the the nod against Tennessee just because they feel like they're going to owe them one. Um, it's sitting right there in front of them, which is crazy to say. But, yes, a long answer to your, your very short question. Yeah, I think that's their, the best front seven they'll see. When you look at Alabama's schedule moving forward, uh, does it seem pretty manageable to you? I mean, this Alabama team is, is so interesting to me because it's unlike any other since uh, after, the, after Nick Saban's first year. And... You don't really know what you're going to get every week, right? Uh, South Florida right. was a struggle, um, and but so we we don't really know, and I think it actually makes it 
kind of for for guys like us more fun to cover uh but uh just your thoughts on when you look at the schedule now as opposed to when you looked at it at the beginning of the year just your analysis of it well i certainly uh if you're an alabama fan you feel better about it now than you did on september 16th when you played south florida because now you're going at that point you're going through the, (laughs) the schedule going l l l um no i mean it's the, the Tennessee LSU run right there, I think there's a bye week. I don't have it in front of me. I think there's a bye week in between. It certainly helps. I, I think that's daunting. Um, Kentucky, I, you know, I, I mean, that's, 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 not a, that's certainly not a gimme. Uh, what I find interesting, so if they can clear that Tennessee LSU hurdle after Arkansas, assuming they went homecoming, of course, I, I think it's clear sailing, which would just be unbelievable. But to your point, I do think the uh, the the schedule's uh, set up nicely for them based on what type of team this was coming into the season, right? Clearly, this team needed reps. They needed time to gel, and they still need time. The, the, the interesting hypothetical is if you would have swapped Texas in Chattanooga and had Chattanooga on September 9th and had Texas at the end of the year in November, whatever that is, the 15th, 16th, 18th, whatever it is, how different is that, how different is that Texas game? Right? How, I mean, is that a game that they win if you play that game at the end because we've seen that marked improvement? So I think they've gotten a steady diet of tough tests in certain areas. Like you play Ole Miss, they throw the ball around. All right, you shut them down. Okay, now you know your defense is legit, right? Uh, and so then you get a small taste of a, a tough front seven against Texas A&M. All right, now you know you can throw the ball. Now can this team put it all together for the end of the season? It's kind of looking like they might be able to pull this off. Let's Let's talk a little bit about Auburn, LSU. This has been a fantastic yeah. series. Uh, yeah, it really since has. Since the seismograph to, mm-hmm. to I don't know. Do you all remember watching Jamie Howard pain, painfully throw oh, six yeah. interceptions? Three for oh, yeah. three were pick sixes. Uh, what do yeah. you expect? Is is I kind of I kind of think LSU is going to hand it to them. Yeah, so our our little prop bet during our show this week was would Auburn go pass for over 100 yards in the game because they have yet to do it in a game all season, which is just mind-boggling considering the the way how offensive-minded or college football has become. I think they will. I mean, because LSU's defense is terrible. I mean, like like you, the three of us that go out there might be able to get a touchdown. That's how bad. Like it's it's just it's that bad. But they just can't. I mean, Auburn just hasn't been able to throw the ball. Uh, I just don't know if Auburn has enough offensive answers, even against that really bad defense at LSU, to keep up with Jaden Daniels in that offense. That offense is really good. I mean, they're explosive. Jaden Daniels, I think, is like second in the nation total offense. Um, I'm with you. I I think LSU gets this done. I'd, I'd be impressed and surprised and excited if Auburn could get it done. I just don't think they can. One more, one more for you, real quick. Uh, I am so excited about this Oregon Washington game. Um, do you think this decides who wins the Heisman Trophy? Bo Nix against Michael Penix Jr. Uh, I think there's some kid over at USC that might have a, a say in that, but I think it will go a long way. The question is, does the Pac-12 uh, eat it uh, eat its own, or does someone survive it to get to the college football playoff? That's what I'm most interested in. But yes. I mean, it's hard not to cheer for Bo Nix in that one, though. But And I feel like Michael Penix is like 40 years old and been there forever. Who do you like in that game? 
I'm going to go Oregon, but I got to be honest, uh, Washington's D might have some answers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, they, I, I, yeah we're, we're both rooting for Oregon, too, for both. Yeah. But um, Oregon can play a little D, too. I, I'm just looking forward to watching it. All right, uh, Mark, tell everybody we mentioned that you often write for AL.com, but you have other ventures as well in writing and broadcasting. Tell As we go out, tell everyone where they can hear and listen and read you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you all for having me. Uh, AL.com, it's my main gig right there, uh, AL.com backslash sports. You can find me on X at Mark underscore I'm in uh, the opening kickoff on WNSP Radio FM 105.5 from 6 to 9 in Mobile every day. Guys, I appreciate y'all having me. Enjoy the weekend. It should be a good one. Thank you, Thank Mark. You, sir. You're awesome. Appreciate it. Yep. All right. We've put it off. It's time to it's face time. the music. It's time. No, I want you to explain to me the path to the Braves coming back and winning these next two games against the Phillies and the mighty, mighty Bryce Harper. Thanks for that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just twisting the twisting the knife a little bit. You're doing a hell of a job. <laughs> oh, I don't like that guy. All right, uh, I don't actually think a lot of. I hear he's a great teammate. That's what they always say about tools. All right, we'll be back to talk about the Atlanta Braves Major League Baseball in just a minute. This is Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Coming up next on the Stingray Show. You do not want to miss the next edition of the Stingray Show because we are going to be joined by a living legend who has been reporting on the SEC and college football since the 1970s. He even has his own nickname. I'm talking about legendary Mr. College Football. Tony Barnhart will join us on the next edition of the Stingray Show to talk about the first half of the college football season and to look ahead to the second half. Tune into the Stingray Show Thursday night from 8 to 9 p.m. on Tide 100.9. For Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. We could see a few intervals of sunshine this afternoon, otherwise mostly cloudy, the high 72. Tonight and tomorrow, the sky mostly cloudy, the chance of a few widely scattered showers around. The low tonight, 60, the high tomorrow at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, back on Big Noon Sports. I'm really uh, happy you guys were thinking about my misery last night at the Phillies just pounded the Braves once again. I say once again. Uh, they won game three, lead the series 2-1, play again at 7.07 tonight. It's the only game left uh, because the other ones have either been swept uh, like the Diamondbacks did to the Dodgers and the Rangers did to the Orioles. And last night in game four, the Astros won 3-1 over the Twins. The margin was 3-2 in the actual game. The series margin was three games to one. Atlanta, I told you guys yesterday, Nola always pitches us tough. 30-year-old from Baton Rouge in his final year. Oh, man, he's 
going to light it up in postseason, and he's going to light it up at the bank, too. But a couple of things here. Uh, Bryce Elder couldn't get out of his way, his own way, and he got lit in the first three innings. Uh, relievers got lit up, too. It's it's a disturbing trend, and I'll get you guys' opinions on it. And then if you give me about an hour and a half, I want to talk to you about what I feel when it comes to Bryce Harper. Well, uh, let's go to Justin first. Uh, Justin, I think you're even more of a baseball guy than I am, and I'm not a baseball guy at all. So, uh, keep up. I wouldn't say I, that I keep up a little bit, but yeah, Justin, what, what what did you think about yesterday's game? Yeah, well, if I'm if I am more than a more of a baseball guy than you, Lars, it's only by a little bit. I don't keep up with it that much. I'm a Rays fan, so I was disappointed. <laughs> um, kind of like Matt is feeling right now, although not the same thing since you guys moved on. Either way, I watched the game. That's just, It's just heartbreaking. Um, <laughs> Cassianos, Brandon Marsh, Bryce Harper, basically just crushing the souls um, of Atlanta Braves fans. And I'm seeing a lot of stuff now about Arcia's comments, which seemingly fueled uh, the Yeah, police. so is that a real thing or imagined? I mean, I... I you know, again, he said it in the sanctity of the clubhouse, but still, there were reporters around. They heard it. It gets back to Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper channels those comments of, you know, him being mocked by the brave shortstop and goes out and <laughs> it's two home runs. Uh, I think even without those two home runs, the Phillies win that game. But, uh, Matt, I'll ask you. Uh, do you think that I mean look Tom Brady who's somebody that I have studied for a long time and continuing to study he absolutely would use any perceived slight real or imagined to motivate him and when Bryce Harper heard that again the Atlanta shortstop said this I mean can that does that really translate into uh, uh, him performing better it certainly it looked like it. It certainly looked it's, like it. It, it, it absolutely should shouldn't. Be, you, you should be charged be, up as hell just to be playing the Braves in postseason. Yeah. If he needs Arcia's comments to jack him up, then he's got a little motivational problem. But first of all, do y'all like Pedro Martinez? His commentary pre and post game are just fabulous. He's funny. He's in, incredibly insightful. What? And he said this about the Arcia quote. He said, when you get into it, I, I can't do a, a, a good impersonation, so I'll just do mine. <laughs> but he's, he's funny just the way he talks, the way he uses his hands, and he leans back in his chair. But anyway, he said, when you get into the clubhouse after a game, you get a cold beer. To, you talk to the media first, then you get a cold beer, then you make sure everyone and every device, and then he actually holds his cell phone up on the air, should make sure all of these are off and gone. Then you can cut up the other team, do whatever you want to. You know, pull a Sparky Lyle. I don't know if y'all know what that is. I'm not yeah. going to detail. But it's, it has to be sanctity in the, in the clubhouse, and you can't throw something like that around because in this day and age it's going to end up. But it, it's a shame that you can't do that anymore. Because whoever let that out knew 
that it wasn't going wasn't meant to be published. Yeah, um, but there were Shame reporters around. There were reporters around, and if a reporter is in the clubhouse and a reporter hears something, the reporter is going to report it. It's their job. Certainly, the comment was newsworthy. And by the way, I've loved Pedro Martinez as, as a huge Yankees fan. When Pedro Martinez came out and said the Yankees are my daddy, I just yes. thought, wow. <laughs> that is like that, that. That was one of the most. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't even use, know what to think about that. But uh, but it was honest. Quote. It was they honest. Use that quote all the time when they're in post game. They'll talk about okay, who's your daddy today? And it's just it's he's delightful in my opinion. Gonna do this real quick, guys. Who is not delightful? And it's Bryce Harper. Nobody in Washington when he was with the Nats liked him, but they liked him enough because. He helped them be a better team. And he goes to the Philadelphia Phillies, and he becomes an even bigger tool. And I've never been a fan for admiring your home run. i just kind of okay with it. I really don't like the bat flips. But if you hit it and you start towards first base and you flip your bat, you know, it's just something that stay out of my front yard. Matt's going to have to get used to. But he stood in the batter's box, did not move. It's like he was viewing Mount Rushmore. Oh, what a thing of beauty. And I created it. And then finally, he ran the bases. And I think Major League Baseball may find him. He did the throat slash. You know, that's not only unsportsmanlike, that's disgusting. And people do it all the time, and I don't like it at all. I think you already can tell. By my delivery here, uh, I'm just not a Bryce uh, Harper fan. Remind me, guys, hasn't someone been suspended for doing that gesture? I, maybe I'm wrong on that, but certainly fined in, in a different sport. I hate, I hate anything, any action that is look at me, look at me, look at me. And um, yeah, I'm old school like you. But so, Matt, is there any chance first pitch? that Bryce Harper sees is a 95-mile-an-hour fastball to his rib cage tonight. I think it should have happened in the ninth inning when the game was out of hand and he was at the plate. It's a perfect time to plunk him. I mean, it's no, I'm perfect. just curious. What, like, what, what, what is the, what is, what's the rule? There are so many the unwritten rule. rules of baseball. <laughs> well, but they've changed, Lars. You know, we've come, unfortunately, a long way since Drysdale and Gibson. Uh and Nolan Ryan, oh, God, I have a great story about somebody hitting a home run off Nolan Ryan. I'll share with you because I think we're getting ready to go to the break at the top of the hour. You know, but I, I would have hit him last night. And, and if you started off today, then you might cost yourself a run. So they didn't do it last night in the ninth, that perfect opportunity. But Justin, I don't think they've got one. Doesn't, sorry, real quick. Doesn't Bryce bat third? Yes. So you get the first two guys out and then you throw 95 at his rib cage? I don't know. Uh, Ju- no, Justin, what were you going to say? Uh, I was just, I think you guys left out a very important part, at least to me, since I'm going to be uh, old man Justin here, get off my lawn, Matt. Um, the Phillies need a barber, and they need a barber bad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's all of these guys point. have about two foot of hair behind them, and, and as my dad put it, Brandon Marsh looks greasy. <laughs> he looks like he lives under a bridge. My wife, Karen, <laughs> said, does he braid his beard? Um, because it's just, it's ugly, you know? I can deal with the, and I don't know why, neither uh, 
of the three of us are that way, but beards and athletics are very, very popular. And I, I, think, I just I think it started with golf, didn't it, Lars? Not sure, but I, I got a gut feeling that the Braves, they're going to do the exact same thing that Bryce Harper did last night, right? Like, he used that as motivation, the uh, the comments. And what are the Braves going to do? The stare down, the admiring of the home runs, the disrespect. Not just not only disrespect to the Braves, it's disrespect to the game. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Braves All are right. going to come out and play really well. Um, going to tell you a Nolan Ryan story on the other side of the break. Also continue to talk about the Alabama-Arkansas game. And, and Lars, let's take a quick trip down memory lane to the odd occurrences uh, around and during the Auburn LSU series. It's crazy, and I've been around for a couple of them. You're listening to Big Noon Sports presented by Haley Sansing Union Home Mortgage. Hey, Bama. It's the Tide 100.9 30K Workday Payday. Win cash every weekday, 8 to 5. Here's this hour's cash code. 424. Again, that's 424. The code is 424. Enter that code now on the Tide 100.9 app. Click on the 30K Payday button and enter the code for a chance to win $30,000. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Nick Saban may be the most quoted coach. Golly, am I going way over the top in the history of college football? Dion's trying to catch him. But when he speaks, it's, he's like the old E.F. Hutton ads. When he speaks, people listen. And I was surprised, I think with, with uh, some other people as well, that he agreed to become a part of the McAfee show and appear weekly on Deeper Review Again, it's just another smart move because he's reaching kids in that generation. Boom, there you go. He was just on McAfee's show uh, an hour ago. Let's hear from him. What have you seen out of him? that Because I want to let you know, the national narrative is becoming, yeah, Milrow Heisman conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that is, and that was not the case a few weeks back. Do you hear that? And how appreciative are you of where Milrow is right now? Well, I think his confidence... Uh, relationships and understanding uh, with his coaches of exactly what he needs to do, you know, as a player has gone way up. And uh, I think that is what has helped his performance. I mean, the guy's a talented guy. He can throw the ball accurately down the field. He's a really good athlete. He can extend plays. He can make plays with his feet. So this progression that we, we kind of needed for him to just play quarterback, uh, has been really, really exponentially improving week by week. Uh, people thought we couldn't throw the ball, and he threw for over 300 yards last week, which we knew we were going to have to do against AM because of their front. And he did a good job of that. So continuing his development in all these areas, I think, is really, really important. And he's been great about it. He's had a great attitude about it. Um, I just had a meeting with him. You know, I always meet with him at 1130. 
you know, on Thursday and go through the week with them and go through the plan with them. And, you know, he, he's, he's well prepared, uh, and very sort of appreciative of, you know, how he's developing the leadership with the other guys on the team. So all these things are real positives. Hell yeah. We love watching it. I'm enjoying going through this season with you guys. And remember, win by 45 this weekend, we're all going to be disappointed. Uh -oh. Ladies and gentlemen, the head... <laughs> <laughs> That's great. You know, I don't know if I'm going to soften on McAfee or not. Sometimes he's funny. He Dude, he's really questions. good. He's really good. I, I'm telling you, I just you, don't like really his good. demeanor. You know, he's just, he's very brash, you know. But, he, but that's that's who he was when he was a punter with the Colts. Like I said, I, I, I spent, like him I've, then either. I spent time around him. The dude is a badass. I mean, as for a punter, like he, he absolutely could just crush the ball. I mean, I went uh, I went there to do a long story on Andrew Luck uh, many years ago, and McAfee was uh, obviously the punter then, and uh, I was like. I was there at practice for two days and ostensibly I was there to, you know, watch Andrew Luck. But then on the side field, there's McAfee and Adam Vinatieri kicking and I couldn't keep my eye. Like I wanted to watch McAfee and Vinatieri. Like these are to the, to the two best in the game. And uh, they would play all these weird uh, games with one another. And, and uh, um, McAfee would hit, field goals and Vinatieri would punt and and they would like stand at maybe the 40 yard line and punt and just try to hit the uh the uh the goal the lower part of the goalpost and anyway um I, I like Pat a lot and I think his show is, is is really good and it's interesting to me that they can cuss I don't I don't understand how sort of ESPN gets around that and having yeah. them on and and you know, I'm sure they're paying FCC fines, but but uh, clearly, you know, uh, we've talked about this. Nick Saban is reaching a younger demographic by agreeing to do that weekly segment on Thursdays um, at uh, I think it's one oh five Central Time, and uh, in and I I don't know if he's getting compensated or not. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not getting compensated. Because well, he just he, he, is. he probably is, but uh, uh, Justin, I'll, I'll go to you because you're you know a little bit younger than than Matt and I. Don't you think young people are really paying attention to the Pat McAfee show? Oh, they definitely are. I I know just in my friend group, which is twenty somethings, we all keep up with it. We I used to watch it all the time just because the guests that he has on are very knowledgeable, and then he's. You know, the opposite. He's the entertainment, the funny bit, and th that just makes it more entertaining for us to watch and reach that younger audience that you're talking about, Lars. Yeah. And the, and the thing really is, bothers me. I mean, if you yeah, no, I agree. If you can't communicate without using those words, then you're not a good communicator. That's well, and you know, Matt, well, they kind of have to go away from that now since they are on ESPN on uh, live TV. Didn't he but, drop one on game day? He might have. But I mean, Cole Corso's with, dropped one on game day before. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Corso's another thing. Like, they got to they gotta save him from himself. They just, uh, you know, I know we all love Lee Corso. He's our grandfather. And Justin, for you, he's your great-grandfather. <laughs> but uh, it just, 
you know, it, it's time. It's time to. You know what it reminds know. me of, Lars? And, and it was sad, and that's Dick Clark. You know? Yeah. He'd suffered a small stroke, and they still yeah. tried to prop him up and do and New Year's slurring. Eve. Yeah. And it was yeah. just, it was painful. And you're, you worded it perfectly. Let him go out at more of a pinnacle than with everybody feeling sorry for himself. Yeah. Um, hey, Matt, b- before we uh, get into our next segment with Reagan and R&R, and, and by the way, we're, we're picking games, and I'm 18 and 6 versus the spread. Like, this is unheard of. I'm 75%. But anyway, uh, you, you wanted to, uh, I want to circle back to uh, the comment you want to make about Nolan Ryan and sort oh. of uh, uh, equaling, you know, settling a score. It's what old school baseball was all about and the awareness of these two guys just tells you how it used to be but I think I've told this story maybe once or twice before but it's well worth hearing again Will Clark what a splendid left handed swing like usual it was beautiful but the first at bat in his major league career he faces Nolan Ryan (laughs) And Nolan starts him off with a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Clark, right field seats, 400 feet. He just absolutely smashes it. And, and he tells his story when he speaks. I've heard him a couple of times. He said, man, I turned my shoulders towards first base. I put my helmet down, and I ran. And I didn't look anywhere. I looked at the dirt the whole time, just hit the bags. It went all the way around. When I got to home plate, I ran straight into the dugouts. He was just trying, not in any way, form, or fashion, to show Ryan up. Guess what happened <laughs> next time he got up? Ryan still, Ryan still just cracked his ribs, you know. <laughs> I just, uh, a lot of people disagree with those little um, um, inside rules. I like them. You know, that's... There, there may have been some background. There may have been some background there. I, I, I'll say this. Uh, about Will Clark, I, I never, I never have dealt with Will Clark. I've never met him. Jeff Perlman, one of my closest friends, he covered Major League Baseball for SI for years and years. He said the two biggest jerks he ever dealt with: one Barry Bonds and two Will Clark. I've heard that too. But he has more respect for the game than Bryce Harper ever had. And our buddy Robbie Glenn. He has been uh, texting us, uh, Robbie, again, uh, the former first baseman at Alabama, and he was saying that uh, they won't hit Bryce tonight unless uh, the game is in hand and, uh, and, you know, the Braves are up three late in the game. That's when you plunk them. You don't do it in the first inning. So we'll no, see. You get too much baseball in front. Yeah, there, in there's your, too much. Yeah, too many things can go wrong if you put anyone on first in the first. Well, in the first inning. Here's one. Here's the major reason you don't want to lose Spencer Strider. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Your ace. He's going to plunk him. Plunk him in the. Do seven. you give Do you give Atlanta the the edge in pitching yeah, tonight? So, so do odds makers. Uh, yeah. yeah, and everybody's saying the Atlanta four to. They're basically saying four to three. Atlanta wins. Well. I'll take any victory I can get. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. We're going to pick them with R&R, with Reagan on the other side of this break. You're listening to Big Noon Sports.
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. We could see a few intervals of sunshine this afternoon, otherwise mostly cloudy, the high 72. Tonight and tomorrow, the sky mostly cloudy, the chance of a few widely scattered showers around. The low tonight, 60, the high tomorrow at 73. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Hey, pull up a chair, grab a nice elephant cigar smoke, and a, maybe a little bit of bourbon on the rocks. Maybe neat. I prefer it that way. But what I'm talking about is Reagan from R&R, the Cigar Mansion, right there on 6th uh, in downtown Tuscaloosa. It's just a great place to hang out. Pretty sure I'm going to be able to talk Lars into coming by Friday afternoon. So there we have it. After we uh, do our gig at Ennis Free, we'll come by and see you. Reagan, how you been? I have been great. Um, it is such a nice temperature outside today. It is 69 degrees, one of my favorite temperatures because it's just <laughs> so <we> nice. <laughs> but I wanted, but okay, I, I've made my 69 joke. I got it out of my system. I'd like to have a super serious show today. No shenanigans. We're going to make these so Where's put the on fun in serious, that? Yeah, put on your serious faces. Okay? Alright. No funny we're, business. We're no funny business. No funny business at all. Especially given the fact that uh, yours truly against the spread, I'm 18 and 6. That's 75%. People should be listening you, to me. No, 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 no. You went two and two last week. That is not true. Uh-oh. Hold on, go. hold on, hold on. I, I'm, I, I'm checking the records here. You went two and two last week. Okay. Uh, I had, I lost Texas. You yep. had, oh, you had OU. Yep. Um, I had Georgia. Matt had Georgia. Yep. You had Kentucky. You picked A&M. Uh, Lars, I, no, I picked, we all three picked Bama. And okay. then all three of us okay. picked the 49ers. Right. So okay. last week we all went three and one. Yay. So for the season, uh, I'm 18 and six, again, 75%. Matt is 14 and 10, 58%. Reagan, you're bringing up the tail end here, but uh, you're yeah. still good. You're 13 and 11. I mean, 54%. Yeah. Again, but hey, we, we still got a long way to go. And, um, you know, we got some really, really interesting games this weekend. And let's start with, to me, what is the, the marquee game, Reagan? And that's Oregon at Washington. Washington is a three-point favorite. And not only is this going to go a long way to determining who wins the the Pac-12, which I think is the, and universally, I think people believe this, the, the strongest conference in the nation this, this season. I also believe who wins this, the quarterback of the winning team is going to win the Heisman Trophy. So your, your thoughts, Oregon, Washington. Well, I do believe that the Phoenix is mightier. I am all in <laughs> on Michael Phoenix Jr., Okay, it's Phoenix with an X, folks. Phoenix with an X, okay? 
Michael Penix. He's he does it all. Look, you can see pictures of me and me and Reina on my Instagram, on my Facebook, on my Twitter. Where are Bo Nick's pictures with his child? We'll be asking this forever. Okay. But I can tell you for a fact that Michael Penix Jr. knows his dad because, you know, he's a junior. And I believe that Washington will cover those three points. No problem. So you're saying Bo Nix is going to have Penix envy after this game. You know, you guys are pushing McAfee territory here. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, I mean, Matt. Look. <laughs> hey, Reagan yeah, started it. Hey, hey, yeah. hey, Dad, Dad. Reagan okay, started children, this. who started it? Who didn't? Who did that? Who's on the monkey bars? Oh, come on. Um, I'm all about Oregon. I like Bo Nix, and I like Oregon's defense for what we've seen. Matt, Matt you're going against everything you've been saying all year. You have loved Washington. And yeah, Michael Penix. I, uh, I like and I like uh, I like Michael Penix Jr. a lot too. I just like Oregon better. You know w- the home field advantage here. I think is so big. Uh, I have been to games at uh, home at, field at, advantage, it, and they've got a big Penix quarterback. I, <laughs> the recipe's I'm, there, Mark. I'm with I'm with Reagan. I, I'm going Washington on this one. Um, We'll see. It, it's just uh, the, the way that stadium's constructed, they have that uh, sort of aluminum overhang, and it, it has it, the, the crowd noise reverberates up and it comes back down, and it is just uh, it's discombobulating how loud it gets. Okay, let's do um, Texas A&M at Tennessee. Tennessee is a three-point favorite. Reagan. Well, you know... That's a tough loss for the for the Jimbo Fishers and the cult of Texas A&M last week. You know, they had everything going for them. They had the yell leaders. They had the they had the officials. I mean, they had it all. They had it all. Um, and you know, I think A&M. This is one of those weird ones. It's like A&M has it doesn't win on the road. Tennessee doesn't lose at home. Uh, A&M got blown out by uh, the fighting Mario Cristobal who lost to Georgia Tech. It's a whole weird thing, right? Um, I think that what is three points? I I hate taking Tennessee because I just hate them. You know? Um, But I guess it would be nice for Tennessee to come into the... you know, I want Tennessee to lose, so I'm gonna like wish it to happen, and it's, I'm gonna like make it happen because I'm gonna pick A and M. Uh, I'm gonna pick A and M, mostly because I think that they have to win uh, for their whole season and for Jimbo Fisher. I mean, they can't save his marriage. That's gone to be with Coach Bryant. Well, no, they went to hell. So Coach Bryant's in heaven, so can't go there. Uh, but anyway, I'm going with Texas A&M. Matt. Um, guys, I, th- I think this more than any game on the tablet today is uh, about home field advantage. Y'all talked about Washington having theirs. But Nayland Stadium's going to be lit at 2.30 for the CBS broadcast. And because I was going back and forth trying to analyze this as teams go and coaches go and players go, uh, and I, I, I couldn't 
I, I, I couldn't make a decision, so I'm just going to go home field advantage, Nayland Stadium, Tennessee. I am. I'm with Reagan on this. I'm not wishing it to happen, but uh, my uh, we may have lost Reagan. So if uh, Justin, we can get him back. But my my thought on this one is uh, this is a critical game for Jimbo Fisher, uh, and we'll find out. Do his players care about him or don't they? Because Jimbo is under a lot of pressure right now. I think they do care about him. And uh, I'm going A&M on, on this one. And I think A&M is going to go uh, into Neyland Stadium and, uh, and actually play really, really well. Okay. How long has um, it been since you heard a busy signal? Yeah, it's Sorry, been a while. It out there. Yeah. Oh. Um, All right. What's okay, next? Reagan, uh, USC at Notre Dame. I, I, we have it right now. Notre Dame is a, a three-point favorite. Uh, maybe it's gone down a little bit, but we're going to stick with three. Notre Dame, three-point favorite. USC on the road. USC coming off a game where they did not look very impressive against Arizona. Took a couple of overtimes. and uh, But uh, and I actually was one of those dudes who stayed up until about three in the morning watching the end of that game. But uh, your, your thoughts, Reagan. USC at Notre Dame. Well, you know, um, I don't, I don't, I don't really like either of these teams, honestly. Uh, I, I think I'm kind of tired of hearing about both of them. Um, I, I don't think Notre Dame's very good at all. Um, I don't think that USC has much of a defense, uh, or has doesn't have a defense. Um, you know, I get Caleb Williams, but I do think that if you put if you put Caleb Williams on Alabama and you put Jalen Milrow on USC, I think USC would be undefeated. And I think Alabama would have about three losses. Um, so uh, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not a Caleb Williams fan. I think he's very overrated. Um, so having said that, I'm not sure that I trust Notre Dame to win a big game under Marcus Freeman because I haven't seen it happen. I don't think that versus USC is the time for them to get that big win. Uh, I'm going to take USC into three. I am going to ditto uh, Notre Dame coming off the loss to Louisville. Um, yeah. USC Louisville did, might US, be good. Yes, I, I, and I don't – I allow for that fact, too. Yeah. But, by the way, um, Arizona should have won that game against USC. And yeah, I, they should have. I, I stayed they up. I stayed up. So, oh, you're uh, like me? You were like yeah, one of like yeah, six uh, people in, in Alabama you know, who as long as, as long as it's on, you know, there's anything live college football on a Saturday slash Sunday, I'm there. I'm, I'm with Reagan on this one. I'm going with the Trojans. All right, I'm going Notre Dame. Uh, Sam Hartman's going to have a bounce-back game, and uh, I think the Fighting Irish are going to uh, knock USC out of the national title race, and they're going to knock USC uh, and knock Caleb Williams out of the Heisman Trophy race. And uh, I believe, um, again, I, I'm taking Washington. I think uh, uh, Reagan's boy, uh Penix is going to emerge out of this weekend as a clear-cut favorite to win the Heisman. All right, 
Uh, final game, of course, we got to do Arkansas at Alabama. The latest line I saw was Alabama, 17 and a half, 17.5 favorites. Reagan. Oh, no. Why don't you guys go first? Uh, what <laughs> was the margin again, for... Lars? 17 and a half. Okay, Reagan, go last. Uh, uh, Matt. Um, I'm taking uh, with that defense, Bama. that defense is uh, Alabama's defense is just getting better and better and better. Um, getting a little healthier on that side. I think Alabama will reestablish the run and the defense will account or set up at least one touchdown. There you go. I'm taking the Crimson Tide. I think that point five is really important to, if it sticks at, at, at 17.5. Um, I think KJ Jefferson is going to have a good day. So I mean, you just you, you look at this, and, and can Arkansas score fourteen points? I think they can. I think it's going to be thirty-one seventeen. Alabama wins, but they don't cover. So I'm going to take Arkansas uh, with the seventeen and a half. Reagan, Ooh, coming on the coming on the Alabama show, betting against <laughs> Alabama. I mean, ah, sad. Sad to see, Lars. But there's no uh, Hey, I'm from Nebraska. I never bet against Nebraska, yeah. but I, and I lose those games. Yeah, you know what? If we put a Nebraska game in our picks every week, like uh, this yeah. would be a drastically different uh, case. But, yes, uh, yeah, you should never bet with uh, emotion, right? Yeah. You know what they uh, say. Well, bet know, with your heart, have... you lose your butt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have no problem betting with my heart on this Alabama game. I don't look Dan Enos is the offensive coordinator at uh at Arkansas and I know he hates himself. I mean that man was literally replying to students via email. Like what offensive coordinator in college football sends sends angry response emails the college kids. It's it's insane. Uh, Sam Hartman, uh, you want to talk about, you know what, I'm not going to get it canceled this week by talking about Sam Pittman and his, uh, his Thank you. Uh, yeah, everybody knows what I'm about to say. But I think Alabama wins 42 to Seven KJ Jefferson doesn't have a great day. Uh, the D, the forty-two is because of the DD uh, of the defense of Alabama, and they're going to roll, and it's going to be a great day. And then we're going to roll into the Tennessee week with our smoking elephant cigars and get started to sell the whole mansion out for the Tennessee game. Uh, because Alabama's going to beat Tennessee this year, too. Yeah. Hey, Reagan, can you tell us a little bit about those uh, new R&R smoking elephant cigars? I can't yeah. wait. I'm going to partake uh, on uh, yeah, Friday. Really? That's what I like. Well, yes, I, I, I'm not. I'm not a huge. Uh, I'm not a huge cigar guy, but uh, okay. we're. Uh, I'm coming to the mansion on Friday on the on the All porch, right. and we've got our new. 2023 official victory cigar uh, for the Alabama Tennessee game, and it's only available at RR Cigars uh, downtown on 6th Street, which is soon to get changed to 
bitch agency way because the city of Tuscaloosa uh, is dumb and changing the name of Sixth Street. So uh, come to Six, come to R and R on Sixth Street while you can uh, before they change the name over because of stupidity. Um, <laughs> we'll be there, and we have your victory starts ready to go. We'll see you tomorrow. All right, Reagan. Thanks, hey, Reagan. Lay, lay off Michael Thank Jr., you will you? All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, Lord. I love Reagan. I've got... Uh, he brings levity. You he know, brings levity. Uh, you get what you get with Reagan Starner. I mean, that's, you, you better know it coming in. Um, all right, Lars, I have some rather interesting numbers for you concerning betting lines, and it's probably going to hurt your feelings. That's coming up on Big Noon Sports. All I can say is 18 and 6, buddy. Yep. 18 and 6. It's 75% against that. the spread. Everybody should follow voice. me at Lars Anderson 71. I'm going to start making my predictions public to the world. The minute you do that, you know what's going to happen. We'll yeah, be I'll back. losing. <laughs> For championships. Rose intercepted Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. The Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide take on Arkansas in an SEC showdown. Our coverage begins at 8 a.m. on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Hey. SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Matt, Lars, Justin, Joseph, hang on. We'll get to your call in just a second. Lars, I just did a a little math for you, okay? Uh, and by the way, you are kicking booty on picking against the spread. But, uh, it's funny how that doesn't relate to cash. Uh, <laughs> if you had placed $100 on every game we'd pick with Reagan, you would be plus 1140 you would be wow. up one thousand one hundred and forty dollars. Now, don't wow. start now; you'll just bomb. Yeah, but that's healthy. I mean, I'm taking away the losses. Yeah. No, I, 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 I I'm feeling it. Obviously, uh, eighteen and six uh, again. That's a seventy-five percent winning percentage against the spread, and that. Never happens. Never happens. Yeah, uh, that's the kind of stuff that uh, you'll run everybody in Vegas off if you keep that <laughs> Right. What is the percentage that they say you need to keep throughout a season to make money? 61, 62%? Is somewhere in there, maybe a little bit lower. I don't know. Maybe Justin knows. I don't know. Justin, are you a, uh, do, you, do you like, you know, betting the ponies a little bit here and there? I'd like to, but I just don't have enough effort since there's not a specific way to do it in Alabama, like from the comfort of my couch. So I don't go out of my way to do it, but I like keeping up with the lines. And and if it ever becomes legal in Alabama, yeah, I'd like to do that. You know, Matt, uh, one of my former father-in-laws, he... he, he would get like so much so much information sent to him every week and he would get it printed out and it would be just a, this stack and and 
you know, and he ended up being about 47%. And so, I don't know, it just comes down to feel. And, 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 and those uh, hustlers in Vegas who try to tell you, hey, call my 1-800 number or 1-900 number or whatever and, uh, you know, get my free pick of the week. And, and then they lure you in because they, they take a pick that is so easy to see. I, I just think it, 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 it's all a big scam. It's all a big scam. Well, and, I've always uh, maintained, because, yep. Lars, that um, if these guys were so good at picking games, then why aren't they living next door to Nick Saban on Jupiter Island? Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, there's a reason that the spread is what it is. <laughs> Vegas wins. I mean, the house is going to yeah. win. They're going to get your money eventually. Yes. I don't mean to be Debbie Downer, but I guess I am. Let's go to the phones. 205-342-9904. And Joseph is online. Big Noon Sports. How you doing, Joseph? I'm doing pretty good. How you guys doing? Man, we're doing great. I want to know, are y'all bla- brave believers? Braves? Absolutely, I am. How about you, Joseph? I'm hoping, man. I'm hoping we can win, win too, and beat Philly. I'll be honest with you. I'm hoping we can come back and somehow win the series. Um, Joseph, we've been talking about uh, Bryce Harper and you know his actions last night. Um, do you think the Braves should come out and, uh, and and send a message to him early in the game, or uh, or do you wait till later if you're winning, or you just ignore it? Well, if I was Bryce, I would wait until I'm winning at least because if you lose, it's going to look real bad if you send a message, try to send a message, and you're losing. Good point. But Good um, point. And I got another question since y'all talking about bet. If Alabama and Georgia play today, who y'all putting y'all money on? Uh, hmm. I wonder what the spread would be. Probably Georgia, uh, Georgia 10. 7, 10. Yes, I, I don't know, somewhere in there. I certainly would take Georgia to win. I, it just matters what, what what the spread would be, because okay, let's let's just break this down. How many? Let me ask you, Joseph. How many points do you think Alabama needs to score to beat Georgia right now? Well, if Alabama can stop Brock Bowers, which I don't know if they can or not, uh, they wouldn't need very many points. But um, and, but, but do, you, do you put Caleb Downs on Brock Bowers? And, uh, you know, according to several people, Caleb Downs is already being fitted for a gold jacket for the Hall of Fame. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you put Caleb Downs, I mean, that could be a bit mismatch because Brock Bowers is a bigger body than, than Caleb Downs. I mean, you could, or you can put a corner on him, and he's still a mismatch because he's a bigger body. And if you try to jam him up the line, you're messing up. Uh, the, the, but the, the, honestly, the, the more I think about it, Matt and Joseph, Matt, I'll go to you. I, Georgia could be a good matchup for Alabama, believe it or not. Well, they could. Carson Beck's getting better and better and better. So is Jalen Milrow. They're still Georgia. Yeah, but he's not better. Who would you take in that quarterback battle? Boy, I'm asking you to hack off a lot of people here, aren't I? Well, yeah, of course. You take Beck right now, but you take Beck in a month and a half from now. Not sure. Ask me after the Auburn game. 
Do you take, well, right now, do you take Georgia's defense over Alabama's defense? No, I take Alabama. Absolutely I think Alabama not, has yeah. one of the finest defenses in the nation. And, and they're just getting they're better. They're going to get back into this thing and, and contend for championships. It's going to be defense. I mean, yep. And I know Milrow's got to perform. That defense is something else. And we'll go on to a greater dive on that tomorrow. Uh, great questions, though, Thanks. Joseph. Thank yeah, you. Indeed. Joseph, hey, appreciate your calls and your input, as always. Uh, when we get back, we're going to talk a little baseball. There's a really, really cool event that uh, wherever you are listening to this show, you need to attend on Sunday afternoon. I'll explain that with Friends of Rickwood President Gerald Watkins. Just a minute. Hang on. Sports Talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Indeed, it is Big Noon Sports. Our guest is Gerald Watkins, Rickwood Field guy. He is the chairman of the Friends of Rickwood. And I would spend the rest of the show in another hour telling you how tirelessly Gerald and his uh, his crew, friends of Rickwood, have worked on, first of all, getting the big game here in 2024. But I want to talk about what you're doing this weekend. And I'm, I'm certainly I'm excited about the home run derby, Gerald. But that's not all you got going on. It's busy. Y'all are packing it in before they begin the real construction, aren't you? That's right, Matt. Thank you for having me on again. And Lars, uh, this is uh this is really special. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, visit with me and uh, and talk baseball. So, uh, the Home Run Derby is at 1. Um, I just looked at, the, that's this Sunday. I just looked at the weather. It's going to be overcast, no rain, about 60 degrees, which I think that's Home Run Derby weather. Who all is going to participate? Well, we have uh, four former big leaguers. The name most everyone's going to know is Ryan Klesko, who played a long time for the Braves and uh, was a fan favorite when he was there. We also have Mike Cameron. Mike Cameron was a uh, Birmingham Baron, is actually in the Birmingham Barons Hall of Fame. He played with the Mariners, played with the Reds, played with the Mets, and uh, just a really good guy. And then we have a young man named Chris Carter, who just finished playing in the Mexican League, Chris is in his mid thirties. Uh, he is in prime shape, and I think he's going to lose a lot of baseballs come Sunday. Uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers in 2016, he led the league in home runs for 41. So he is uh, a powerhouse. And then we have Dan Oberst, who is a member of the uh, <clears throat> hugely popular Savannah Bananas. And Dan has never been in a uh, traditional home run derby like this before, and he is really really excited and uh, just can't wait to get to Birmingham and uh, participate and we have uh, I believe six other former major leaguers who are coming to uh, add some color to the event we have Andy Phillips who played baseball at Alabama and yeah. with the Yankees a favorite of mine uh, Matt Guerrero played for the Barons and several years in the big leagues with the Twins and the Dodgers um, Charlie Moore for the old-timers in the uh, audience, Charlie played 15 years with the Brewers, was a uh, graduate of uh, Minor High School in 1971. Yeah. Boy, and uh, just a, a another boy. guy. Yeah. 
could have played quarterback at Auburn, but he chose baseball. And then uh, Ron Papa Jack Jackson, who was a hitting coach for the 2004 world champion Red Sox. And it pains me to talk about the Red Sox because I'm a Yankee fan, but <laughs> Ron's become a good friend and supporter of Rickwood. And then we have uh, uh, Pat Keedy, who played with the Angels and former Gardendale High School baseball coach. Uh, let's see. I know I must be forgetting someone. Um, but we have uh, Chris Hammond is coming as well. So all those guys will be on hand to sign autographs and meet with the fans and talk baseball and just add some flavor and color to the event. Uh, Kurt Bloom, the announcer for the Barons, uh, radio announcer, will be our uh, play-by-play guide through the uh, entire contest. So we're looking for a really big day. Hopefully have uh, a lot of people here and uh, just enjoy baseball. Gerald, it's so uh, good to talk to you again. And uh, I, I really uh, enjoyed being out at uh, Rickwood uh, a couple months ago. And uh, just a, what, what a special place. Is there any update uh, you can give us on um, uh, it, it was going to be called the Field of Dreams game? Uh, San Francisco Giants playing uh, St. Louis Cardinals on June 20th, 2024. Uh, is there a, a, a new name for it? And just uh, have the renovations of Rickwood started? Well, there is a name for it. It's going to be called a tribute to the Negro Leagues. And the folks up in Iowa got upset because uh, it was being referred to as a Field of Dreams game. And that never was the official name by Major League Baseball. That's just something that uh, people came up with because the Field of Dreams happened a couple of years ago and it seemed like a uh, just a next level to, or a next uh, generation of Field of Dreams. But, but we are celebrating the history of the Negro Leagues and Birmingham played such a big part in that. So many of the great Negro Leaguers played here, not only Willie Mays, but Satchel Page and Piper Davis and Artie Wells and the names go on and on. And Major League Baseball uh, really wants to celebrate the the uh, legacy of the Negro Leagues, and so they pick Rickwood Field as a place to do that, and, and we're very honored. All right, go, go on and talk uh, uh, about the construction. Um, how much money? What are they going to do? Are we going to recognize Rickwood Field? I sure hope so. We are. Uh, the The price tag is uh, a little north of four and a half million dollars, and. Uh, the city of Birmingham is uh, putting that money up. We've also raised some money from uh, some uh, private industries uh, and uh, the power company, Alabama Power, Blue Cross Blue Shield, Encompass, ASIPCO, Protective Life, uh, Regents Bank. All those people are pitching in, too, to support uh, our efforts to upgrade Rickwood Field. And, yes, there are going to be some changes. The, the outside of the ballpark is going to remain the same, but inside – we're going to see a completely new baseball surface. It's going to be fantastic grass, as good as any golf course you'd ever be on. It sounds funny to say this, but we're going to get new dirt. Uh, new infield surface, new warning track, all that will be redone. They're going to install protective netting down the foul lines to protect the fans from foul balls. They're going to take our existing fences down, which have all the old advertising signs, just for that day they'll be replaced by chain link with pads and then when the game is over those will be removed and our fences will be put back up uh, in their normal normal places so that's a good thing 
Um, gosh, the other thing that uh, I guess a lot of people will notice is the dugouts are going to be changed. The dugouts that we have now will be demolished, and the new dugouts will be rebuilt in a more modern state. And a lot of people are not going to like that, but it's like this. The dugouts that we have accommodated a very small staff and small people. Um, gosh, the average major leaguer now is probably 6'3". When those dugouts were built, the average major, major leaguer was probably 5'10". So the additional staff that they have, which is medical, security, and training and all that added to the player numbers. There's just way too many people to fit in our dugouts. So the dugouts had to be redone, and that was just a non uh, a non-starter for us. If they if they didn't, uh, I said that wrong. Anyway, if they didn't do the dugouts the way they wanted them to, then we couldn't go forward. So uh, we have to do that, and um, you know it's going to be a change. But in the history of the ballpark, the dugouts have been changed several times. When the ballpark was built, they weren't dug out; they were just above ground structures, more like a lean-to. Huh. Not really nice and not really plush and nothing special. So, um, you know, it's just the continuing evolution of the ballpark and baseball. Hey, we got to fly out of here just real quickly. Tell people where they can get tickets this weekend. Well, are you flying to Birmingham to be at the Home Run Derby? No, I don't know. I meant we're flying oh. out of our show. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay, you can get tickets online at rickwood.com or you can show up at the ballpark and buy them at the gate. The tickets are $20 for adults, $10 for kids. The first 150 kids, the first 150 kids will get in free and get a t-shirt and get a chance to go on the field and, and collect the balls that don't go out of the park. And uh, we expect a really good crowd, a really good event, and uh, I hate that you and Lars will not be able to make it, but maybe next year. Um, I'm still holding out. <clears throat> I might get there. Uh, I'll be in touch. Thank you. And all right. Thank, thank you so much for continuing with Rickwood Field. That's Gerald Watkins, who's the president of Friends of Rickwood. As we go out into the break, um, keep Robbie Glenn, his family, in your prayers. His mom uh, is, is quite ill. And Robbie, we just—he's been a great friend of the show, and we just want to let you know that we Robbie, for you. yeah, we we love Robbie, and he's asking for prayers from Bama Nation that his mom doesn't hurt anymore. Yes, what a, I really like that guy. Uh, sure would want him on my side if I got into a fist fight. All right, oh, let's yeah. get out of here. Oh we'll, yeah, we'll be at Ennis Free. It's a place to be on Friday. See you tomorrow at noon. Hi, Barry Buckner here.